everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And it is time for an hour of me talking to you about the stuff that I love and the stuff that makes me enthusiastic, be it movies, TV shows, books, science fiction, technology, or faith. All that coming up in this episode of The Break. Brought to you, as always, by my wonderful community of patrons. And if you want to join that community in their support for my mission to reach out to people from all over the world, uh, then take a look at uh, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. This week we're still in the aftermath of uh, the horrible earthquakes that happened in Syria and in Turkey. And um, we've been witnessing almost on a daily basis in the news uh, all the efforts from, from rescue crews from all over the world to try to find survivors. And it's stunning to see that they are still retrieving people from the rubble. Uh, and, and it's been more than a week now. It's basically the people that are now saved, um, I guess it's, it's almost miraculous. Although I always warn people to attribute something to God's intervention because then of course immediately the the second question that people will ask is well if God uh, enables this miracle couldn't he have prevented the entire earthquake from happening Um, but I'm I'm more thinking of the 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 miracle in a metaphorical sense of the word the resilience of some of the people that have been rescued and how they kept each other alive I, I read a story yesterday of two brothers i think who were able to survive um by drinking their their own urine it's it's not a it's not a pretty story <laughs> and and apparently they they were able to find um a protein powder so maybe they were trapped i don't know in a in a gym or any anyhow but that's how they survived by by eating protein powder for for for, for 10 days and then they were liberated. It's, it's incredible. And then, of course, the, the other miracle is just the incredible talent of the rescue workers and the people that, that sometimes w- were working like two, three days without sleeping just to save whoever they could still find. Not just human uh, victims of the earthquakes, but also animals. There were, were some endearing stories of, of, of dogs and, and, and cats who were, that were rescued. Um, and of course, that also pulls in our heartstrings in a certain way. So, but it's no matter. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't compare. Like, oh, but people are more important than animals. It's it. it if as I said last week, if you want to f- see God at work, look at the helpers. Look at those res- rescue workers. And of course, this is only the beginning. Um, there are more than forty-five thousand victims, um, and th- people have lost everything they had so building up their lives again uh imagine you had a a, a store a bakery a, a, a job your your entire the, the the place where you worked collapsed um there, there are hundreds of thousands of people that were affected uh by these earthquakes and it's heartwarming to see that from all over the world help is pouring in and i i just hope that people won't forget after a couple of days this is usually how the how the news tends to work it's like all the 
spotlights on, on, on one place in the world and then something else happens, even if it's not as important, something in local politics, and, and everybody seems to forget what just happened a couple of days ago. Um, and I think especially for Christians, it's, it's important to, uh, to have a long-term memory and to not forget about people that, that continue to suffer from events that may have been forgotten uh, in the media, may have been forgotten in, in the general um, consciousness, general awareness. Um, but we should not give up on people just because they're not newsworthy anymore. News is only focusing on, literally, on what is new and what is different. And... Um, and, and, and oftentimes we get numb. The, the, the other thing I wanted to mention here in the news, uh, I, it's something that, that really is so, is so shocking uh, to see, that since the beginning of this new year, there have been mass shootings almost on a daily basis in the United States. I mean, it was already horrible for years, but it seems it's, it continues to accelerate, to accelerate, to accelerate, and it's every time it's the same story, every, it's, it's, and people get numb. Even the, the, the news media, even politicians, they get numb. They're, they're like, oh, well, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, what are you going to do? And everybody looks at each other and, well, we have to report on this, but it doesn't even get to the front page of our, of our websites anymore or our newspapers anymore. But it's, it's, a, it's so dramatic what's happening. And it, it also, it's not just a numbing of our conscience, consci conscious... Consciousnesses? Consciousness? The numbing of our minds. Why am I trying to complicate things? Um, but also there, we, we, we tend to forget that every mass shooting is hurting thousands of people because the victims all have brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children. They have relatives, people that live in their neighborhoods. And so the impact, the traumatic impact of violence on a daily basis in the United States. Plus, don't forget the kind of the, the trauma that you get from just empathizing. Every, see this every day. It does something to you too. makes you feel insecure or maybe desperate. And, and what do you do in certain situations like that? I've, I, I would say never normalize uh, pain and suffering. If there's one thing we have to keep in mind, next week, next Wednesday, we start Lens. And if there's one thing that Catholics and Christians do during Lent is to never forget what happened 2,000 years ago. And every year we tell that same story of, of Christ's suffering because that particular moment in history was, in a way, you could say, enveloping every other story of suffering in the world. And the, and the reason that we have ritualized this, the, the, the commemoration of of Christ's suffering and of his sacrifice is because Jesus is present with all these other people that suffer up until today. And if we keep remembering how much he suffered, hopefully that will also keep us sensitive to the ways in which Christ is suffering in the lives of all these other victims of violence or natural disasters. So that's one thing. Never trivialize violence never despair also like well what are you going to do that kind of like what are you going to do mentality that will guarantee that nothing will change so how do you change well of course there's the political side of this 
There has this has to be like a communal will, but we also know how how much that has proven to be a, 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 a almost non-moving th thing. It's 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 it, we've we've heard these stories for for decades now. And it seems that nothing is changing. But there is one thing you can change, and that is to change yourself, your own attitude towards this. Be the first to not have arms, to not justify this, this senseless violence by saying, well, but, but, but we need to defend the right to, to, to bear arms. I know this is a very controversial topic in, in the United States, but take it from a country where we rarely ever have stuff like that happening. And it's just because nobody owns guns except for criminals, and we try to prevent them from 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 having guns. It it. But aside from the political debate and the whole question of whether or not you think this is should be justified or not, um, ask yourself: Does do I need to own weapons? Do do. Why am I afraid? And am I not perpetuating this situation by condoning this, this whole culture? It's, it's all about... The, the Society changes when we change. And we change uh, not because someone else is changing and then I'm thinking, well, okay, it's because that person changes that I have to change. No, it starts with you. Make your own commitment for peace. Pray for peace. Pray that God changes your heart and then, of course, you may be skeptical that things will ever change in society. But if you don't change, you can be guaranteed that nothing will change. So anyway, that, that's, <laughs> that's my call to action. And um, of course, we have to pray. You know, we have to think uh, about these victims. But thoughts and prayers are worthless if they're not accompanied by a change of heart and thereby a change of our own choices and our own actions so during this time of lent think of the victims pray for them pray for peace in your country pray for peace in your own neighborhood pray for peace in your own heart and maybe maybe things will start to change it all all change starts small how do you not like movies they're predictable like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. Let's talk about Star Trek Picard. I have just wrapped up watching the second season of Star Trek Picard. Um, and I have to say, I had mixed feelings about it. I liked some of the themes that they, uh, they, they tackled. But the middle of the season was very weak. And it just felt like the, the story was pretty thin. And it was spread out over way too many episodes. But the, the thing that... that irked me the most about about Picard so far was that it didn't feel like Star Trek because there was no Star Trekking. The, the, there was this spaceship in this second episode, uh, second season, and I'm not going to go into spoilers, and it was just sitting there on the planet Earth and they didn't fly with it or barely, and uh, there was no exploration. Um, and, and the second thing was that it was... 
the 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 plot was uh, emphasizing like trauma and trauma in especially in the life of Picard himself, but it became so kind of almost pretentious and and it felt uh, at 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 both too serious and also way too superficial and and what was i think sorely lacking was humor it was kind of this this sparkle this sense of adventure and so i was i was a bit skeptical about about the third season of picard uh, because I heard that they were going to bring back a lot of the cast members of the original Next Generation television series. And that almost felt like, well, well we're desperate, you know. We, we know that this series didn't really do what we hoped it would do. It didn't have the impact on the fans. People, <laughs> I think most Star Trek fans actually like Strange New Worlds a lot better than Discovery and Picard. Um, even, even Lower Decks is sometimes more highly rated than than Picard. So let's just bring back the nostalgia factor and that will hopefully help us to get to the end of this last season. So I was like, I hope it's it's not too bad. But judging from the first two seasons, I I did not trust the writers. How wrong was I? This third season, I've only seen the first episode. But that first episode was I would rank it higher than all my rankings for the previous two seasons added up. This was excellent. It had everything I want in Star Trek. It had, first of all, great chemistry between the actors. In in the first two seasons of Picard, I felt like they're introducing all these new characters and they don't work together. It all feels a bit awkward, contrived, the, the only character that I felt worked really well from the past was the Borg Queen. Um, the actress passed last week, two weeks ago, unfortunately, at a very young age. She did a terrific job in bringing back kind of the threat of this Borg Queen that I think was one of the best things of Star Trek Generations, uh, the movie. But, uh, yeah, was it Generations with the Borg or what? No, one of the other movies. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but a, a, like a couple of the new characters, you know, they weren't bad, but it was there was no ensemble. And and the way in which they wrote the series, they constantly would split up, and then you would have two people here and two people there, and then oh yeah, let's let's make uh, seven of nine like bisexual, let her have the relation, this other relationship with this new character, which for me all felt contrived and they're trying too hard to make it modern. But what they forgot was it lacked cohesion, it lacked uh, humor, and, and most of all, chemistry. Well, the chemistry was right there from the first minute of this new season. The, 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 the first thing I noticed was that they... they got rid of this very long introduction with all the CGI like glass splinters in the air which just went on forever and ever I'm always looking for like okay how do I skip this how do I skip this? oh bloody <laughs> bloody bleep I missed the I missed the moment where I could press that icon to skip this now I have to sit and watch this whole intro they got rid of that it's it's fast and it's in space oh my gosh like the first the, the, the entire premise of this third season is 
Someone is in trouble in space. Let's get a spaceship. Let's go and help that person. I was like, that is what Star Trek is supposed to be. Not all these stories about childhood trauma on, on planet Earth because that's so cheap to film. Um, and and, and that, was the, that was another thing that, that struck me is, at least for this first episode, they really spent money. This was finally something that didn't feel like they were cutting corners cost-wise. We had even the sets that they built. They are, they are w- walking through corridors. There are sliding doors, just like on the old Star Trek. You, there are special effects that are... And we had those in Discovery, but not in Picard for some strange reason. And it, it almost felt like Picard, despite it being about one of the most popular Star Trek characters in the history of Star Trek, they, they did what Lucasfilm did wrong with Obi-Wan Kenobi when they brought back Ewan McGregor. They bring back one of their biggest stars, their most loved characters of the entire Star Wars universe. And then they cut all the corners they could cut to, to film it as cheaply as possible with just a few extras and the same... It felt so small, and that that I had the same feeling with Picard. Well, this third season shows that there is another way, and 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 you can make it look big budget, just maybe by pouring in a little bit more of a big budget, and it, it felt so good. This quality wise felt like a movie, maybe even one of the best next generation movies because. Let's be honest, not all Next Generation movies were a success, especially the later ones. Oh, my gosh. The one with the clone Picard. Oh, the nemesis. That, that is just one of the worst Star Trek stories I've ever seen. Um, everything was bad about that movie. Um, well, maybe not everything, but a lot of it was bad. And this, this was like, oh, gosh, if only we could have had this from the beginning. Make it so. Um, so another, the detail that they put in the backgrounds and the, the whole, like, for instance, the computer screens, I love the L cars interfaces that you see in the next generation, you know, with the, it's very iconic, the, 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 the curves and then the pastel colors on all the computer terminals. Well, now, of course, they can use big monitors to do that live on stage. In the past, it was all like printed on, on foil and not, none of the, those, they did have a few lights behind it to simulate computer, but now they can do full-fledged moving computer graphics and it looked glorious and they updated the L-Cars UI because, of course, in, in, in the Star Trek timeline, time has passed between the next generation time and those big bulky spaceships they had at the time. They even have an inside joke. And then, and then uh, the, the time frame of Picard. But they still created like an evolution of the design language that we first saw in the next generation. And it, it was so much better than what they did in the first two seasons where they have all the holographic VR stuff, which... I felt like okay, they've been they've been they they probably had very high expectations of where Meta was going to bring VR, <laughs> but it's almost as like as if they totally forgot about that technology and now they're back to regular screens and it somehow feels much more real 
Because you know that when you see all those moving holograms, it's fake, it's computer graphics. These actors are just pointing at empty space, basically. But with these screens, they're actually pressing buttons on screens and, well, not buttons, virtual buttons on screens and things move. It felt grounded, it felt real, it, 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 it was just amazing. The last thing I'm going to say about this is how awesome some of the recurring characters are. They brought back Riker in the first season, right? Just very briefly. It was a almost a cameo. But a lot of the, the actors, the original actors, are now back in the series for the entire duration of the season. And especially Picard and Riker are fantastic in this first episode. They, it, it's instant chemistry. It's as if Picard cannot really truly be Picard without Riker to bounce off of. And now that Riker is there, all of a sudden it works. And then in, in, when they first introduced Riker, um, of course he was he's married to Delana Troy. And so they played played up that that and then there was their son and or child. I forgot. I, I totally forgot about the whole plot of season one. But anyway. For some reason, the, for me, Riker and Troy never really was very convincing. I, I just... I, that, that never worked for me, that relationship in Star Trek. But Picard and Riker, oh my gosh, yes. And here, what I love is that they, they're both older and a bit more... I, uh, they have this self-deprecating humor that is so funny. And finally, Picard can just be... Picard... And he doesn't have to be constantly this, this traumatized person who is struggling with all sorts of new things. And, oh, man, that was so depressing to see Picard in the first two seasons basically being someone where, like, all the, all the character choices that they made in the writing felt like the opposite of what Picard was in The Next Generation. And I was like, how can they do that to that character? It's, it doesn't feel like like the Jean-Luc that everybody loved and was one of the best captains in Star Trek history. And, and I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it. Well, what is different now? And now I know. It was just that what made Picard, Picard was all the other characters. And I, th that's one of the things I, I think they, they, they understood in season two when they brought back Q. Now, Q and Picard also, it's that instant spark. Unfortunately, Q was almost not present in the second season. He was a main important plot character, but we barely got to see him. Whereas Delancey and, and, and uh, Sir Patrick Stewart have fantastic chemistry on screen. They didn't use it. Instead, they were focusing on all, all these secondary characters that I personally didn't care about that much. And, that, and they're all, well, they're not, some of them are now gone. The... the the Boar Queen is gone, and then the other dude uh, with the beard is gone. I even don't remember his name. And so, yeah, the the, the the what was it? The was it the Vulcan, the the young kid who was good at fighting? Also, such a random character that was so not Star. Well, maybe it could have been Star Trek if it was written right, but it just didn't work a lot. Like half of the cast of the last two seasons didn't work. And and here it's like instant like this is this is the Star Trek 
that I love so much, and it's back. And I'm so glad that this is the last season. So hopefully they cannot mess this up after this season anymore because there's not going to be another season. So goodness gracious. I am happy. And at the same time, I'm also a little bit like, couldn't you have done that two seasons ago? <laughs> Instead of giving us that mediocre stuff that you've been selling under the name of Picard for two seasons? Anyway. Let's forget about the past. Let's focus on this season. I love it so far. And, oh, one final thing. The music is outstanding. It's all orchest orchestral music. Again, they didn't cut, cut costs here. Um, it's fantastic, too. Even during the end sequence, you hear, like, I think the next generation theme and i'm probably also the voyager team theme i'm not sure but there are like two iconic themes and the the entire soundtrack of the first the first episode is fantastic and uh i so hope this is going to be a, a, a huge success so that they understand what the fans really want Hopefully that will guide them in future decisions as to where to take this franchise because it's been a bit hit and miss. Same thing for Star Wars. I like the Bad Batch, but I don't love it. There were some excellent episodes. Last week was okay-ish. Like it seems to be the, the ups and downs of that series are too high and the lows are too low. Uh, we, I hope The Mandalorian is going to be good. And then I really hope that in April, we're going to get, finally, an announcement of a movie, or movies. They've been sitting on their hands for far too long. Come on. We need Star Wars back in theaters. I love Star Wars television, but you cannot do what you can do in a movie. And I think that, that Disney, especially with all the changes that are happening now and the financial problems that they seem to have, they, I think they've just been afraid to go to, to launch themselves into another theatrical adventure. But I would say just go for it. Try it out. Dare. Trust in good writing and, and listen to the fans and, and just go for it. Because uh, just as with Picard season three, it's almost like a th this could have been a movie. Um, I, I think sometimes franchises need so something to rally up all the fans so that everybody is excited again. And Star Wars is at that point. I mean, I love what they've been doing over the past three years, but we need a tentpole thing in Star Wars. And it needs to be exciting and it needs to be new. Don't always recycle the same old, same old. Dare to bring us something that, that, that surprises us all. It should be possible. Come on, it's Star Wars. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Catholics rock! It's time for a quick visit to the Peculiar Bunch because, of course, next week is the beginning of Lent, so we need to talk about it. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And Lent, of course, is... Uh, 40 days of preparation, more or less 40 days, for uh, Holy Week and then Easter. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. And so, it's always good to um, 
kind of <laughs> work our way through all these these different elements of uh, the Lenten period, um, so that maybe together we can we can figure out ways and make that a fruitful time. Now you may remember me saying, what is it, two weeks ago, that I felt like the Lent is coming so early this year and I wasn't ready for it, and can't we just push Lent more to to like the end of uh, end of springtime or maybe even in the summertime? Because it's, the world is so gloomy and dark, and it's still cold outside and rainy, and then and then the Catholic Church is like, okay, let's make you even more depressed by starting this time of of penance. And uh, I have to say that um, I'm I'm a little bit more open to the idea of Lent. This sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's it's some I don't know. There there is wisdom in in the liturgical year um and of course it's 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 not a problem as such if sometimes the church is challenging people including me you know if we are not challenged by our faith then we're not growing so it's funny that um even though two weeks ago i was like okay i i wouldn't be against postponing lent this year just to give us like some extra can't, can't we just do have a like a second christmas like somewhere in February, we'll ju- just do one last Christmas celebration. I don't know. <laughs> just bring back the happiness and the little lights and the hot chocolate. And then and then we can start thinking of Lent when nature is a little bit more benevolent towards us, you know. <laughs> balance it out a little bit. But but this this uh, at this time of the year, at uh, this time of the month, I'm I think I'm ready for it. I think we can start Lent. And um and of course, it, it it may also be linked to my own personal perception of Lent and and the way uh, I I was brought up in this tradition, which of course differs all, also from from country to country and even from family to family. I when I when when you say Lent, you know what the first thing is that I think of. This may surprise you. I think of carrots. I. I'm not kidding you. You say Lent, I th- I think carrots. Why? Is because my mom uh, often made on Fridays, where you're not supposed to eat uh, meat. Um, she f- felt that it was a good idea to make carrot carrots cooked carrots mashed with potatoes. So we would have, I don't know if there's a carrot mash or how do you call that? I don't know. It's a its a thing that it looks like this cone of lava. And then in the middle, there would be this, this little lake. And my mom would pour gravy inside that lake. And then we would have fish sticks on the side. Because fish was expensive. And fish sticks were affordable, and of course, uh, you know what good is it to not eat meat and then to spend a fortune on on expensive fish? So we got fish sticks, super low budget fish, and and it and they were just sitting there. So I still see my plate, and it's got this big orange mountain that almost like this horrible f- like volcano of of like mashed cooked potato. I I don't like carrots. I don't like potatoes especially not cooked. 
I mean, fried maybe, although you cannot fry carrots, unfortunately. I will get to carrots, basically. I found a solution for it for my carrot problem. But we'll talk about that in the food segment, kitchen segment. But um, anyway, so you got that, that, that volcano of orange goo with a little lake of uh, heated up uh, gravy. And, and then around, and on the sides were, were, would be these, these, these like planks of fried fish that didn't have any taste. And that was, that was it. That, like, in my mind, it was every Friday. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but that's what I remembered. And so I started to associate Lent, first of all, with that orange goo that I abhorred and I still I don't like it at all. I really don't like it. And then, and then, um, this 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 whole idea that that uh, Lent was all about punishment. Yeah, so it was all about the stuff that you were not allowed to do. Like you were not allowed um, on the weekend before Lent, before Ash Wednesday. Um, sometimes we would go and stay with our grandparents who lived in the south of the country and they have this carnival tradition where it's like this big feast and everybody is dressed up and it's like super exuberant and colorful and cheerful and music is fantastic. And and then what I liked the most as a kid was that um, you would have these these uh, processions with, with uh, big um, floats, I think you call them in, 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 in English, and then there, there would be these carnival princes and they would throw candy into the public. They would just have tons and tons of candy and we would go and grab all the candy and we would put it in a container only to hear on Ash Wednesday, okay, you're not going to eat the candy. And not like because it's not good for your teeth or you get belly ache if you eat too much candy no it was like for 40 days you you have this box full of fantastic candy that you crawled on the ground to grab it and to get the the best ones and you know how they tasted because for a few days you had you had the opportunity to sample a, a bit of that candy so i like a kilo or, or, of candy sitting in that box and we couldn't touch it for 40 days and that, that felt so, and of course it was all educational because it's good to, to deny yourself stuff. It was, it was surrounded with this, this religious narrative, offer it up, blah de blah de blah And as a child, I was just like, I, I resented the church for imposing 40 days of, of punishment and I didn't do anything wrong, you know? Why am I punished? I didn't crucify Jesus. Can I have candy, please? No, it's Lent. So anyway, it was like we couldn't eat the candy. And then uh, we also um, had the, 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 the orange goo on Fridays. And the, in, the, in church also, I was a, an altar boy. And uh, always in, 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 in Lent, the liturgy became super like sober all of a sudden and the, like we wouldn't have nice songs anymore and it would all the liturgical tradition dutch tradition is uh musically is is horrible um, a lot of the songs that we sing in church are terrible i don't like them at all and as a child i already hated the songs and then we're still singing them for some reason but anyway 
we, we didn't have that much renewal in the, in the Catholic Church musically. So, but all the songs would all always be about suffering and about penance and about, oh, and it would all be in minor key. And I, as a child, I was so sensitive to all these, like, um, how, how can I say that? That they all triggered depression in a certain way. And, uh, and, and I, 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 w- I was never successful in getting rid of that um, association. And it's in my mind. And I, your mileage may vary. But I always, Lent was always like, oh, here we go again. Why does this have to be 40 days? Come on. And, and I, every year, I, I, as, as I grew older, of course, I was trying to kind of rethink this. And maybe we can reframe this. And it's not supposed to be just all gloom and doom. It's a period of growth, etc. But how do, you, how do you get rid of these early childhood memories of, of Lent basically being terrible? And it was always raining. And the weather outside was terrible. So on Sundays, you would have like a mass, no, no frankincense. I was an altar boy. I loved frankincense. I loved all the pump and circumstance. And then during Lent, it was a boring. It was, uh, so you start Sunday with like a mass with boring songs and nothing to do and no frankincense. And uh, and then the rest of the day, it would rain and no candy. And oh, man. So... <laughs> Is one big promotional advertisement for the joys of Lent. And I know, of course, Lent is is a time of penance, and it is a time to focus on on suffering and on the sacrifice of Christ. Um, But I feel that that, um, for, for Lent to work, I think we should focus on the fruits of Lent. It's penance is not a goal in itself. And I think a lot of the way in which we talk about Lent, especially on social media and Ash Wednesday, it's all about, look at me, look at me being so pious and devoted. Here's what I give up for Lent. For years, we've had these discussions on Twitter and Facebook, like, here's what I give up for Lent. In my podcast, I would say, well, this is what I'm giving up this, this year for Lent. I'm, I'm going to put all my, so, my social media devices on grayscale, extra punishment, because I'm not supposed to like social media. You know, it's evil. So I'm just putting it on grayscale. And every time I pick up my phone, I'm looking at this grayscale, and it's, uh, it's not as enticing anymore. And I'm thinking, yeah, but what's the point of that? I mean, what's the point if it doesn't have fruits, what is the what is the fruit of that? If it's if it's only like oh I I want to feel more miserable, what can I do to feel more miserable? What what can I offer up so I feel a bit like Jesus, like halfway through the way of the cross? Or I don't think that Lent should be about that. If you go back to to Jesus, who is always, of course, the foundation of what, what we do in the liturgy. Um, Lent, of course, and the reason that it's 40 days is because Jesus went to the desert for 40 days. And he didn't eat, and he didn't drink. And he went there to pray. But the fact that he did not eat and did not drink and that he went to the desert had one very specific goal, and that was to be completely 100% occupied with the, his relationship with his father. He was able to give up all that stuff 
because it didn't even enter his mind. He, he was talking to his father, and that's a positive relationship. He was there to pray. He was there to experience a little bit of that relationship that he had before he came on earth, from, from all eternity on, to be in this constant like one-on-one with his father and have this, this constant relationship. And, and so all the rest was unimportant. But Jesus never uh, like boasted, like, hey, guess what I gave up for Lent? I, I gave up food. I gave up multiplying bread. I gave up even multiplying fish. I love fish. You know, on Fridays, usually I eat fish. I even gave that up for 40 days. I gave up on wine, even though I can change water into wine. You know, I gave it up, offer it up. You know, look at me. I'm so pious. Hey, by the way, I'm actually going to make a social media post while I'm at it. Like, hey, Jesus here. Here's what I give up for Lent. And oh, by the way, I'll include a selfie of my cross on my forehead because, you know, so just to inspire you, I just want you to know that I am serious about Lent. I'm serious about Ash Wednesday, you know. So I'm just going to add an extra. They didn't have selfies at the time, but I'll just hire an icon painter and we'll, we'll post that on on the, uh, um, you know, on, on, the, on the bulletin boards next to the synagogue. So. <laughs> no, Jesus is actually very, very clear about this. You know, when you fast... Don't go tell everybody that you do. Go wash your face, you know? Just wash your face also means don't post selfies with that, like, look at me, I'm celebrating Ash Wednesday. Just to remind you, you I don't do this for, for, because we we always find, like, reasons to do this. And I've done it. Like, I'm not just pointing at you. I'm pointing at myself as well. Because I was like, okay, well, the world needs to know that there are still Christians around that, that, that celebrate Ash Wednesday, and maybe that will create a meme or whatever. People will get motivated to also uh, go to Ash, Ash Wednesday celebrations, and, and, and maybe if everybody posts selfies, it becomes normalized again, blah, 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 blah. But let's be honest. In the Bible, in the Gospel, Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. If you pray, don't post about that. You know, like, like this Lent I'm going to pray one hour per day, and I'm also going to read, like, uh, I'm going to do Bible reading for for um, 30 minutes per day. Let me post that on Instagram. Uh, hashtag giving it up for Lent or something like that. But Jesus says, if you pray, close the doors. Don't let anyone know that you're praying. Because as long as you are in your mind thinking of like, oh, I need to communicate this, you're not actually praying. You're you're communicating what you're doing, but you're not focused on God. I think that's what Jesus wants to show when he's in the desert, is like nothing else matters anymore. Probably if they would come up to him and said, hey, you haven't eaten for, for a week, he'd say, oh, well, I had no idea. I was I, I was praying. Um, so don't, don't spend effort in telling other people what you're going to do for Lent. Maybe, maybe if you want to give up one thing, this, this Lenten period is give up on telling people what you're going to do for Lent, what you're going to give up. Do it in secret. Your father knows it. Tell it, tell it to God. That, that is what Lent is all about. And then, don't show how virtuous you are by posting 
uh, on social media, your your forehead on Ash Wednesday or whatever, but show the poor that you are serious about Lens because you share, because you give. Don't tell people what you're going to give up, especially if it's kind of these first, first world luxuries that are, you know, yeah. I'm going to give up uh, uh, buying, um, I don't know, uh, expensive shoes or clothes uh, during Lent. Give. <laughs> show, show that you are fasting because you share, because you make someone else is life more beautiful by by changing someone else's life let that be your communication that's going to be so much more effective yeah it's it's more hidden and you don't get that that little rush of uh, gratification when someone likes your photo of ash wednesday but but i think it will make you feel much much better if you are actually using this time of lent to change the world and 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 nobody needs to know except for God and, and maybe that one person that you helped. And, and it's more important that that person realizes that someone is helping them and it doesn't even matter that they know it's, it was you. It's not relevant. It's, it's about the fact that they know that they are loved and that someone sees them. It's like the Secret Santa idea. I love that idea. It's like it, 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 your, your, the present that you give as Secret Santa doesn't need to have your label and hey in case you want to thank me here's my email address <laughs> secret santa do it do it in secret your father sees it and it will it will keep your mind on the fruits of lent and and it keeps you focused on how lent can help you change the world because that is what god wants to do through you and that's much more important than you know um telling the world and our ambient secular culture that there is still something like Christianity. I mean, the best way to convince people of the of the importance of faith is by your works, is by how faith helps you to change the life the lives of others for the better. That that is the best way of preaching. Anyway, I'm telling you all this and at the same time I'm telling this to myself first and foremost, you know, uh, this is this is what I want to do. Lent, I don't think, should be about about carrot, cooked carrots and and, and fish sticks. I, that, that's trivial. It's it's about can I focus for forty days on changing the world? And and can I be happy? Not about telling myself every day, oh, I give this up. Oh, I give this up. But that I can look at myself in the mirror, and I can give myself the thumbs up because. Hey, I helped change the world. I made this world a little bitter just because this Lenten period helps me to focus on what's truly important. And then most of the time, it's not me. And, and the moment I'm thinking about me during Lent, I'm already doing it wrong. All right, do with it what you want. Please don't feel offended if I, if I, because I'm, again, I'm blaming myself for, for getting it wrong for most of my life. It's always time to make some changes. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? 
I did some reading. I'm so behind. I'm three books behind on my reading list. I blame the pillars of the earth. Did I review that last week? I think I did. Um, if not, go to my Goodreads page and uh, you'll find my my review. I, I had mixed feelings about the book. However, it was so long that I, I fell behind on my books. And so I, I picked another um, a slightly shorter book for this week. Um, and it's written, it's a the debut novel um, by Finn Longman. Um, and the book is called The Butterfly Assassin. I'd never heard of it. Um and it's thanks to TikTok, actually, that I I, I follow a, a lot of book talkers or tokers. How do you call them? Book, book tokers. That's a real thing. That's a whole subculture on TikTok. And I love it. It's just basically people standing in front of their, usually in front of their uh, bookshelves, and they tell you what they read and what they thought about it. So there was this... Uh, young woman who said, I, I just finished reading The Butterfly Assassin, and uh, it's it's a young adult novel, um, and I, it was a nice page-turner, and tells this story about a girl who uh, is uh, like an assassin by night, that's what the cover says, an assassin by night, and by day just a regular schoolgirl, she's trying to live a normal life, but she's haunted by by her life as an assassin in the past. I was like, okay, interesting, interesting. But I, it was mostly because I, I trusted the TikToker and her reviews had already pointed me to some really good books. Um, and so I was like, let's give it a try. I found it on um, on Storytel. Um, and so I was listening to the audiobook, um, and I was pleasantly surprised in, in, at first. So the, the book starts, um, it's very well written. I like the character work. Um, there were a lot of characters that I think are well-rounded, interesting, lovable, some of them, and uh, despicable, <laughs> some others. Unfortunately, the main character of the book, Isabel, um, is, is a mixed bag. Um, hard to relate to because normally in a, sto- in a story, at least the kind of the common stories that we, that we read... Um, the story, a good story is always about the transformation of the main character, right? And it doesn't always have to be transformation in, in the right way. It can, you can tell a very compelling story about Anakin, uh, you know, starting off as a very nice young boy who always wants to help other people, like Shmi, his mother, says. Uh, and then ultimately uh, turns uh, grows up to be this uh, very obnoxious uh, uh, guy who uh, who constantly feels that he's not good enough for Obi Wan Kenobi and ultimately falls for the dark side because of the machinations of Palpatine. But in itself, his downfall is a compelling story because he's no longer the boy. So what happened? And the story is about what happened. But you want your main character to end up in a different place from than where that main character started. This is where the butterfly assassin disappointed me a little bit. I mean, the, the writing is excellent. I like the premise. So just to summarize it, I'll try to keep this as vague as possible uh, if, because I don't, no, don't want to spoil this. Um, but th- this is taking place in a world where... Um, uh, it's, it's like an alt- alternate history uh, a bit... And um, there, there is uh, the world is now, especially England, um, is is ruled by big companies that sell weapons, and um, this is all part of like it's kind of the consequence of a big war that happened. The, the, the historical details are a bit vague, 
Uh, maybe we'll discover more in sequels. But uh, anyway, when the war was over, um, the people that made the weapons figured that, well, we need to come up with with ways to keep selling these weapons. This is way too profitable. And so the, the whole society started to embrace killing as um, something that's normal. I mean, in a way, this book is a little bit of a of a mirror for, for our times, I think. So violence was was made um, like a, a, a normal part of society and killing other people for whatever reasons was done by these guilds of killers. And so the main protagonist, Isabel, uh, came from a family that did that for a living. And so <clears throat> she, she's traumatized because she grew up to be a killer. Um, she was abused by her parents in that way. Um, uh, yeah, I, I won't go into detail, but um, what I one of the other things I liked about the writing was that you can tell by the way in which the main character acts uh, and the way her feelings are described that she is severely traumatized. And but it's never it's never on the nose, you know. You you can tell when you're reading, you don't even know her entire backstory, but I could already tell in the first half of the book, like oh. This girl has gone through some very serious uh, uh, issues. And, um, and and later on, you start to discover what she went through and what her parents did to her. And then you're like, ah, oh, and now I see why she's behaving this way. However, the big issue that I have with this book is that ultimately, the character seems to go through a transformation and you become hopeful and she's like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder where this is going to end. Only to conclude, and I'll try to keep this as vague as possible, at the end of the book, she's back where she started. She has learned nothing. She's just picking up where, where we found her. And it's like, what? The, how, how can you write a story where nothing happens? Well, uh, stuff happens, but the main character doesn't really change. It's 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 very dis I don't know I, I at the end of this book is like what was the point of this own this whole story it was so there, there were some other characters that I felt were very promising and interesting and and at the end of the book uh, they don't matter they 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 disappear it, it was like there's a lot in this story that ha that puzzles me. And maybe, uh, again, it's the first, it's a debut novel and there, there are going to be sequels. So maybe this will ultimately evolve into something a bit more satisfying to read. But this first book, I felt like it's, it's a missed opportunity. There were some so good elements. It's very well written. I was a nice page turner. It was a joy to read. But the, and, and until the very last page, I was like, maybe there's, I'm still waiting for this one reward for working my way through this story to see that it was not for naught the, the the main character and so i as a reader i empathize of course with the main character i have gone through some transformation i've 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 gotten some insight things have changed for the better and it doesn't happen in this book on the contrary eh, yep not exactly what I expected. However, still have to say there were many good things. So if I would have to rate this book, I would still give it four stars out of five. Um, but um, 
I hope the, I hope the sequel will be a little bit more interesting, especially when it comes to like the ethics side of this strange society in which our main protagonist uh, lives and 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 tries to claim back her life. Uh, didn't really happen in this book. All right, maybe I've already spoiled too much. I apologize. Okay, we're in the kitchen and we need to talk about carrots. I have a love-hate relationship with carrots where you have to scratch the word love. <laughs> I, I really have never understood why anyone but Bugs Bunny would eat carrots. Because carrots are for Bugs Bunny. And, and you're like, I like it. <laughs> but why would people eat carrots? Okay, this is probably, it's all part of the way in which I, I got acquainted with carrots. Uh, some people say, well, th there are just acquired tastes in the world, like coffee. Not everybody likes coffee. As a child, I hated coffee. I'm like, how can you drink coffee? It's, ugh. <sighs> Tea was tolerable, although we often had to drink like super piping hot tea because we were late for school and then uh, we would have this these big tea mugs and it would be also like very dark black tea um so i associate tea with my tongue being completely uh insensitive for days uh and and but it was better than coffee coffee was like oh i cannot believe that people drink this was before i went to to rome of course later in life uh, I, I never really was became a coffee aficionado until I went to Rome and like okay now I this is coffee this is coffee and it's unfortunate that that if if I'm not in Rome coffee is will always be something that I drink mostly because of its effects but some people will never get used to it um, the same thing with alcohol like beer I remember the first time uh, that I had a beer as a student and I was like why would people drink this? This is so awful. It's really not good. I mean, there are so many other things that you can drink. Why would people voluntarily drink beer? So, acquire taste. For me, carrots, same story. Like, the, the carrots, the Lenten method, you know, where they're all mashed, they're cooked, overcooked, and then mashed with potatoes bland taste like the combination the carrots are a little bit sweeter and uh, but it it like the whole the way it feels is like baby food like warmed up baby food it's like why would you eat it like that the alternative of course is to eat carrot like bugs bunny so again one of the things that um we used to do in, in our family was instead of uh, being served um, like nuts or potato chips, uh, we would get healthy snacks, which would basically be a plate with crudités, <laughs> you know, like cut up pieces of cucumber. Okay, that's okay. Cucumbers don't have any taste, so that works. As long as you've got a good dipping sauce, it's tolerable. But then you go to the next level where it's celery, raw celery. You needed a lot more dipping sauce to make that tolerable because celery itself is a very 
strong taste. Plus, it's got all these little wires in inside of them. Uh, it's not it's not meant to be a snack. Anyway, and then uh, bell peppers, like red bell peppers, cut into into pieces, and that would also be the snack. And then the worst of the worst of the worst, raw carrot, just plain raw carrot in pieces. And then no matter how much you dip that into the dipping sauce, you would still, like the dipping sauce would first be the first thing you tasted, but then the carrot, you still have to chew it and it and it releases all that awful carrot taste. And I just don't have the ears for that. I, I was like, okay, Bugs Bunny, that's okay. It's a rabbit. Like they're genetically wired to like this stuff. But why am I eating this? There's nothing good about carrots. So that's the second form in which I didn't like carrots. And then the third form was actually grated carrots. So use a grater and then you would have these like this carrot salad and it would have vinegar. So this was carrots, raw carrots, uh, grated carrots, and then... And then the, the, the dressing was, was vinegar. Maybe some oil, but probably just vinegar. And of course, vinegar is like, it's very sour. It's like, now I'm eating, like, it still tastes like carrot. And the vinegar is just numbing my tongue. So I, I, I taste less carrot. But I know it's just because it's like drenched in... In vinegar, and and so I was like, oh. Later, when I'm a big boy, and I can cook myself, I will stop eating carrots, and I will I will just move on to all the other great things that God gave us to eat. <laughs> I will not ever miss carrots. However, sometimes you cannot avoid it, and that happened to me last week when I went to get my. Uh, too good to go box from the local little supermarket here, and there we see the first thing that was on top of all the other vegetables was this huge bag full of carrots. Like, but they even had the green leaves on, still attached to the carrots for some reason, and and it, it was like a kilogram of carrots. And I'm looking at that and think, oh no, what am I going to do? I cannot throw this away. I'm not, I mean, it's healthy, but how can I, what am I going to do? I don't like carrots. And and it's so much. Well, this is where I was saved by the Korean cuisine. I, I've raved about Korean uh, recipes in the past. If you've watched my live streams on Wednesdays, I've shown you how I can, uh, how, how with a Korean recipe, you can even turn spinach, which has also never been a favorite of mine. I, I can make delicious Korean uh, spinach, uh, which, which I'm actually totally addicted to. I have a, always a, a, a box of, of Korean spinach salad in the fridge. And I was like, the, the Koreans know how to, how to handle difficult uh, vegetables. They must have a solution for carrots. And so I'm Googling Korean recipes for carrots. And lo and behold, there is a way. There is a solution, and it's actually very simple. And it is, well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite way, uh, favorite recipe, 
but it makes it more than tolerable. Let's put it that way. So here's what I did. Officially, it's based on grated raw carrots. I don't like graters because I always lose fingers when I'm using a grater. So instead, I'm, I'm using my small KitchenAid food chopper, my little, you know, chops everything. So I put some of these carrots, like four or five carrots in there. They're tiny, uh, Bugs Bunny type of carrots. Cut them into small pieces of a couple of inches per piece or centimeters. And then I just chop it up. So you get this kind of like almost like carrot rice. It's these little, uh, how you say that, granulate structure of carrots. And then it's very simple. You, you add Korean soy sauce, number one. I always just like try out. The, I, I don't know the, the, the quantities, but a couple of te- te- uh, tablespoons of, of Korean soy sauce. Then, um, what was it? Um, yes, a, a little bit of rice vinegar, and which is also a bit the same idea of the, of the carrot salad with vinegar, but rice vinegar is very mild. It's not doesn't have that kick of, of, uh, of regular vinegar. So a bit of rice vinegar, not too much. Um, and then a teaspoon or more of honey. And that, that proved to be the secret ingredient. The honey gives it a little bit of like extra sweetness, but in combination with the saltiness and the umami flavor of the Korean soy sauce. And maybe there were some other ingredients I forgot. Probably, you could probably also mix in some ses- crushed sesame seeds. I think I actually added a little bit of sesame oil. Um, you mix it, and it's actually quite nice. It, 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 it's... It's okay. It works. I don't know why. It again. It's not my favorite recipe, but I, I can finish those carrots. In fact, I've already eat it, eaten it twice this week, which is more carrots than I've eaten for the last five years. So something is working there. So thank you, thank you, people of Korea, for giving me a way out whenever I'm confronted, involuntarily, with a bunch of carrots in my life. I really appreciate it. <laughs> We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Ooh, I was hoping for that one more thing in the beginning of this year, especially this the, noun, the announcement of, 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 of if there's one time that Tim Cook can use one more thing, it would be while introducing his AR VR goggles, because this is something that Apple has been working on for years now. And it's almost there. And it was supposed to be presented actually in the weeks to come. And Unfortunately, and maybe it's fortunately, Apple has figured out that, that, that the software and the hardware was not entirely there yet. There were still some problems. And so they've now postponed the presentation, according to rumors, of course, to WWDC. So the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple organizes in, in June every year. So it's going to be um, a, a summer introduction, early summer introduction of this new device that 
maybe not this particular version of it, but the, the technology as such could be so impactful that it may actually change the, the whole mobile industry. Um, we know that this first pair of VR AR goggles is going to be very expensive and it's going to be still big and bulky because it's very difficult to size it down to the, you know, a regular pair of glasses. But that's a, just a matter of time. I'm, I'm convinced that they will figure that out over time. It's just that it's still not possible. Also, it's not standalone. You will have to carry uh, like a, 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 a bit of a brick on your waist. So it's going to have like a, a wired connection to your glasses. All that doesn't sound too, too appealing to me. But this is first gen. Remember the first iPhone that came out? There were no apps. Only the built-in apps. But all the other stuff and... and, and uh, Steve Jobs even promoted that as a as a feature and not as a shortcoming. Was oh, but you can just turn every website into an online app, and it's yeah, <laughs> that was very short lived. But the, if you if you look at how far the same device has come over the over the years and what an iPhone can do today compared to that very first version. That's, I think, how Apple looks at the long-term strategy when it comes to this new technology, uh, which is not entirely new, but I think that Apple is probably going to do it in a way that is superior to everything else we've seen. And so um, I'm glad, in a way, that they want this to be perfect or as close to perfect as possible before they present it to the general public. Um, and... Uh, at the same time, I'm a little bit disappointed <laughs> because I, I just want to see what they've been working on for so many years. I, you know that I love this technology. Uh, I'm not sure if I will be able to afford it, but I am, I am super interested in where this is going. And I think as, as soon as this is in developers' hands, we will see an explosion of creativity. It always works like this. It's a, like with the watch, the Apple Watch. When it came out, everybody's like, okay, Apple is also going to do a watch. Well, we, this is never, never going to fly. You know, all these WebOS or what was it, uh, the Android-based um, watches, they ne really never took off. They had very lousy battery life and they were slow. And it's like, why, why would I change my regular watch for something as clunky as an electronic watch? Um, and, and, and especially, how can you sell a watch like that for, what was it, 300 bucks at the beginning? Nowadays, they're selling watches that cost like almost a thousand bucks for just a watch that in a year or two years from now, everybody's going to see say, oh, that's, that's still the, 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 oh, that's the original Ultra. Wow, that's vintage. Does it still work for you? Yeah, it doesn't get updates anymore. But, you know, this is what Apple does. So, but, but they... As soon as they came out with this watch and kept improving it over time, I'm, I'm now wearing the, the Apple Watch 4. I've been using this thing for two weeks now, two and a half weeks. And it's, it's just so groundbreaking and there's so many innovations and it's, so, it's just the perfect complement to, uh, to the iPhone. And also the combination of these two is just so good, so well done. And, and, and the iPhone, I've, um, uh, one of our patrons gifted me his old iPhone 10, And for me, that was a huge upgrade because I've, I've only had an iPhone uh, 6, uh, which was secondhand as well. So, uh, but this particular phone runs the latest version of the operating system. 
It's got a beautiful OLED screen. I've now finally figured out how to do all the um, widgets on, on every page. And so it's so cool. I use this all the time. Um, the only thing that may be uh, a, a bit of a downgrade when it comes to compared to my, my old Android phone, is that this is a much smaller phone. So the battery is depleted at the end of the day. Whereas my my previous phone, I could I could charge it every two or three days. That's how long, but it was a huge phone. It was The phone was just as big as the, I, um, the iPhone 14 Max. So it's, it's, it's a very heavy phone. What I love about this one is how, how small it is. I can use it in one hand. And uh, it's, it's lightweight and it's, it's just a gorgeous little thing. But the combination with the Apple Watch, I use it a lot for monitoring my sleep lately, as well as my runs and everything. And so it's all in Apple Health, and I get this wonderful collection of data, and I can see the trends over time. And I, I can already tell that this, this combination of the watch and the phone has, has made a major, uh, has had a major impact on my overall uh, energy levels. Um, I've shared this before. Uh, I've been suffering. I had uh, I had a lot of problems with chronic fatigue, where I would just collapse. And and uh, if I because I I wasn't really monitoring how how much I slept and the quality of my sleep and all that. Um, since I've started to use this to monitor my sleep, my 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 physical exercise, um, and also used it to kind of balance out my days, um, I'm feeling already a ton better. And it's just after three weeks of use. So uh, very, very impressive. And I think with um, uh, when, when they first launched a watch, it didn't have all that functionality, but they've improved it over the years. And, uh, and I think the same is going to happen with, uh, with those goggles. So I'm excited about that. Finally, um, I've, I've also uh, um, uh, thought of, of, of maybe upgrading... Uh, my graphics card in my PC uh, because um, I, I wanted to play the, the Harry Potter game, which is beautiful and wonderful. But <laughs> for some reason, on on my old PC, the faces looked like balloons with like black dots in the, where the eyes should be. It looked so like like a PlayStation One. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, my computer is way too old to run this game. And, uh, and and it's funny because in the cutscenes, when you first start to play, it looks fantastic. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that my old computer can do this. And then I started to play the actual game, and it, it was so awful. And it, it, it looked so subpar. And so I've been looking into, I've been asking my friends on Discord... Uh, you know, sh- what should I get? And then I get all these 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 tips. Well, maybe you should get this or this card. But it all starts like 500, 600 bucks for just a graphics card. And not only do I have to replace the graphics card, but also my my uh, power brick that is currently, I, currently I have like a 500 watt power brick, which at the time was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this power? Turns out now I have to have a power, uh, like to replace the power brick with a thing that is like twice the wattage, like a thousand watts, like the graphics card alone will probably just use up like a hundred watts of energy. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but a ton of energy. All for one game. That felt a little bit like strange. And so I was talking to Pedro 
who is uh, um, uh, one of our, our Discord members. He's a, he, he started off as a seminarian, and now he's a, a transitional deacon. He will be ordained a priest in a couple of months from now. And he had bought, um, instead of uh, upgrading his computer, he had bought a, uh, a Steam Deck, which is made by Val- Valve. And it's, it's, it looks a bit like the Nintendo Switch. It's a portable device. It runs on Linux. And, um, and, and actually, it does run games like Hogwarts Legacy and Red Dead Redemption and a lot of games like Valheim, obviously. And I'm thinking, you know what? Instead of paying hundreds and hundreds of, of, of euros on, on uh, replacing just a graphics card and then uh, a power brick in, in my computer, maybe I'll just get a Steam Deck. So I... I ordered one, and they're actually quite affordable for something that runs like the latest games. Um, Pedro helped me also to, you know, gave me a, a lot of great advice on on which configuration and stuff. I got myself a little, I mean, I, I, just amazing. The, the 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 Steam Deck itself comes with not much memory, but I I bought a memory uh, chip or what is it called an SD card, like a micro SD card, and it has half a gig, half a terabyte, like five hundred. 12 gigs and it cost 30 bucks and it's super tiny it's half a terabyte of data i mean it's just insane how cheap this stuff has become and apparently that works just as well as internal memory so you can run games off of it so anyway looking forward to uh to trying that out next week um but then i was like okay so what's wrong with these graphics? Uh, I did a bit of uh, research on the forums, um, and it turns out it's a bug. It's a bug. I had to change a few initiation files um, and had to add some code. Of course, I don't understand what I'm doing, but I'm just reading like, this will solve your problem. So I add the code, save the file, and boom, the game looks gorgeous. Turns out that I went through all of that stuff because of a stupid bug which they will probably fix in the next update. Anyway, glad I've solved it. <laughs> and uh, and, and I'm, I'm also actually happy that I can just, I don't have to buy upgrades for my old PC anymore. It kind of feels like if you start upgrading one thing, then, oh, maybe I should also upgrade this and also upgrade that. And you end up basically spending the, the, the money that you would spend on, on a new computer. So glad I don't have to do all that. Time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for your patience to make it all the way to the end of this podcast. 10 points for Gryffindor or Hufflepuff or Slytherin or whatever, Ravenclaw. <laughs> I don't know what school you were, what, what, what house you are uh, sorted in. But uh, I appreciate your, uh, your patience. I want to end with a, with a thought. And this time it's by St. Robert Bellarmine. Bellarmine? How do you pronounce that last name? I don't know. St. Robert. And he says, Charity is that with which no man is lost and without which no man is saved. Man slash woman slash Borg slash Falcon slash whatever. So charity is that which, with which no man is lost. That's true. And without which no man is saved. Also true. Now, go and make it so. Have a great start of Lent. And as always, you know how to reach me. And if you're one of my patrons, thanks so much for your support. And I will see you in the discussion section about this podcast on our Discord server. 
patreon.com slash Father Talk to you next week.